Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Paul Mitzi. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, That's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, and generally consuming. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Normally, Damask and I would be the main two doing this, or at least we'd both be here and have a guest. Today, Damask is uh, taking one more week off before she returns. Uh, We should be back next week with our review of Boba Fett Season 1 is the plan. So joining me tonight is, as you've already heard, Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, doing great. Um, it's uh, great to be back on the show, another season. Um, you, you've decided to have me back. Uh, I, didn't, some, for some reason, no idea why. You didn't use the break as like a subtle way of like <laughs> making me drift off into the distance. Not yet. No, that's a good idea. It's good to know that, you know, we can just, maybe if we just stop answering your messages, we won't have to keep doing this, keeping up the charade. Uh, no, I've been listening a little bit actually to... Um, over the break, your break, you re-released a couple of episodes of the Swapcast podcast, including uh, Pretty Cool, yeah. which is a notorious episode. I hadn't heard that one from early in your runs. Yeah. And it comes up a lot in your episode. So, for those who don't know, Swapcast podcast, uh, Paul and his uh, other friends, Lucy and... Well, I forgot. I've Brendan. forgotten. <laughs> Brendan, thank you. Sorry, Brendan. My bad. Just had a mind blank. Um, they review body swap films. And Pretty Cool gets talked about a lot in more recent episodes when I've been listening to regularly. Yeah. Uh, so, it was nice to finally see the origins of that. That was fun. And then you've watched a couple of pretty interesting ones recently. Um, the, the Korean swap one by the same guy that did Squid Game. What was that called? Yeah, uh, Miss Granny. So, a uh, few years before he made Squid Game, uh, he, he did a body swap movie, like a really goofy, go. fun rom- rom-com body swap movie. So, uh, Which surprisingly had callbacks to Squid Game, so... Yes, that was interesting. <laughs> and I, I think you liked it more than anyone else in that episode, but um, yeah. it was interesting too that you said it had been like remade like multiple times in different countries or something like that as well. Like, Yeah, so it was, it was made in 2014. It was a giant hit. And mm. since then, it's been remade in seven other countries. So There you go. And now it's available. The original is available on Netflix for people to watch. And what was the most recent one as well? I've been meaning to listen to that, but I haven't got to it yet. Uh, We did the new Hotel Transylvania movie. Hotel Transylvania Transformania. (laughs) I haven't seen any of those films. They sort of... Adam Sandler and doing a voice acting didn't seem to really gel for me. But uh, minor spoilers, was it any good? Is it worth watching, the new one? Uh, Lucy and I liked it. Brendan fucking hated it more than anything. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting dynamic. That's not usually the case. It's usually you love it and the other two hate it. Yeah. So the idea of you and Lucy defending it from Brendan sounds really interesting, actually. Yeah. 
Um, give that yeah, one no, it was a fun to. one. I, I love the ones where we argue. It's it's always the most entertaining. <laughs> That's why Pretty Cool was so fun to listen to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's get to our new segment. Starting with the top stories of the last couple of months since we uh, left you with our last off-topic hot topic to end 2021. First of all, rest in peace, Bob Saget, the full house star, host of America's Funniest Home Videos, aka Olden Times YouTube, and narrator of How I Met Your Mother, died recently at the age of 65. Uh, so uh, we actually, my a tribute to him was at the start when I did his the little kids. I've got an incredible story to tell. Obviously, his iconic first line um, from the series How I Met Your Mother. Um, but also, I realized as I put that together that 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 exact voice clip of Bob Saget actually plays every time we have a, a story time with Damask. I hadn't really thought about that. But oh. he is an integral part of the podcast on the rare occasions these days where Damask does that segment still, because there's a lot of work, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, he has been on the podcast. His voice has been on the podcast dozens and dozens of times. So <laughs> pour, pouring one out for Bob Saget. How familiar were you, were you with Bob Saget and his work? Were you a big fan? Um, I wouldn't say a big fan. I definitely grew up with um, Full House. But I think trying to watch Full House now is it's barely watchable. Sure. <laughs> um, but you know, he was definitely a part of my childhood for sure. Did you ever give Fuller House a try? The like reboot series. I got through halfway through the pilot. Um, the just first episode. At, yeah, and I was like, uh, "This is this is truly terrible on a, on wow. another level." Yeah. I think it got multiple seasons at Netflix too. So yeah, it was go. hugely successful. So oh, there you go. Uh, in an interview with Cosmopolitan, Hilary Duff has revealed some plot details of the ill-fated Disney Plus Livy- Lizzie McGuire revival. Did you read any of this, Paul? I did. Yeah. Okay. I'll give a quick quote of what she said. This is her sort of explaining what that series would have been about if it ever actually finished filming because they started filming and then Mm -hmm. released it. My character was moving back home with her parents because she caught her soon-to-be fiancé cheating on her and she was falling flat on her face at that moment and being like, I need to pivot because everything that I thought was was, wasn't and I'm turning 30, what the fuck? When asked if she would ever consider leaking the filmed episode, she replied, I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't have those thoughts a few times, but I wouldn't because... In my 34 years, I've realized that everything does happen for a reason. There's a time and a place for everything. It just wasn't her moment. I'm constantly asked about it still. All it does is breathe life into the fact that people still want it. And that's really sweet. It's not dead, It's not, but it's not alive. Mm. Um, how, are you, how do you feel about those comments? Hearing what the series would have been about, hearing about sort of Lizzie or, or Hilary Duff's hope that maybe Lizzie will come back one day, just not sure how yet. I think the premise of the series is great i Mm. think it it sounds like the perfect way to have rebooted the series Mm -hmm. um i don't believe for a second it's coming back i i I know she's saying this just so that she doesn't break all of our hearts and i appreciate (laughs) that um but i really don't see it happening at this point you know she's uh doing how i met your uh father now and uh you know that's from the same company i don't I just don't see it happening. That's funny because opposite feeling. Like, I don't think it's ha- happening anytime soon, but it did give me that thought of like, well, she's right. People are obviously interested in it. Mm-hmm. The only reason it didn't happen this time was because of creative differences. If she can gain enough sort of um, weight again as a personality, whether it's through How I Met Your Father or another venture in the future, maybe she can come back to the negotiating table and get that series made the way she wants it to. Um, but she might be 40 
four instead of thirty four. By the time that happens, yeah, if it happens, do we want that reboot? I don't know. Like Lizzie at forty when we didn't get to see her since in her 30s, she was twenties, tw- like, yeah. thirties. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Uh, some reports. These are not necessarily confirmations or announcements. Just. Uh, not And maybe more than rumours, but reports that are getting around over the last couple of months. Show creators Mike Judge and Greg Daniels are reportedly reviving King of the Hill uh, 12 years after its last episode aired on Fox. Were you a King of the Hill viewer slash fan um, I wouldn't say a fan. I definitely like caught episodes here and there and I've enjoyed mm. it, um, but I wasn't like a fan. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those shows that when I was watching Futurama, which was sort of on Channel 7 here in Australia, often quite late, like 10.30, 11 o'clock, King of the Hill would sort of follow, I think. It would mm-hmm. be on around the same time. And I've definitely caught episodes. I probably didn't appreciate it enough at the time that that was actually a really solid show. It's one of those ones I've been meaning to go back to. Because mm-hmm. it seems to have held up really well uh, in a lot of ways. People's memories are that it was a very strong show. So, it coming back is really interesting too. Though I always worry about any show that's getting a reboot this much after the fact. Futurama mm-hmm. coming back, as much as I wanted that to happen because I was such a big fan, didn't really work out that well. I never got around to watching all those episodes because yeah. what I saw wasn't all that flash. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't what it, it, what it wasn't its heyday. Arrested Development's the famous one, obviously. We've already talked about Fuller House. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Netflix has apparently tapped um, original creator Brian Lee O'Malley to develop an animated Scott Pilgrim TV show. Are you a fan of Scott Pilgrim versus or Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the Edgar Wright film based on the same story, or Brian Lee O'Malley's original uh, comic book run? Um, I am definitely a fan of the movie. I, mm-hmm. I loved the movie. Um, I've never read the comic book. I have read another one of Brian Lee O'Malley's comic books, um, Seconds, which okay. I think would make a, an amazing movie if cool. if anyone got around to it. So hopefully this kind of opens the door to that. Um, but I'd be interested to see how they expand this into a TV show because it's a very, you know, uh, specific premise so are they going to stick to that and do like one x per episode or are they just going to like make it a sequel or no i i i imagine because the the movie is a cult classic but it never took off in a big way if that makes Mm -hmm. sense but animated and adult animated shows are becoming a bigger thing with things like invincible and arcane and stuff like that not to mention like Cora and stuff and even how kids shows have huge sort of fan bases still. I think mm-hmm. it will be a redo of the story. Um, whether or not there needs to be because the movie was so great is a different question, but I think there's room for it to be because the the way that the comics work, I think there's six volumes and each one mm. is about one of those exes uh, or, or Scott fighting one of Ramona's exes. So you could make it a six-episode series or you could make it like a 12-episode series and have sort of two episodes per ex or the build-up two and then the fight or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I really like the art style of the books as well so Mm -hmm. i imagine the art style would be similar from the books into the tv show and that could be really cool as well yeah um i think there's a lot of potential there and the idea of an animated scott pilgrim show and even one that if it's successful people might go back and look at the edgar wright movie again as well more people with eyes on that movie which is one of my all-time favorites and sometimes Mm -hmm. is the top of my edgar wright film list yeah um would be a good thing as well uh, NBC have ordered a pilot for a reboot series of Quantum Leap. Did you ever watch Quantum Leap back in the day? I Bible? definitely watched Quantum Leap back in the day. Um, How do you feel about this idea? 
Well, my question is, so when this show comes out, are we going to be reviewing it on your show or my show? Oh, right. He's a body swap show, right? He gets put into a different person's body of episode. We can yeah. do a crossover. We can do the <laughs> ultimate hunting season swap cast crossover of that one. That's a great uh, idea. But it's definitely a um, it's a premise that has endless possibilities. So I'm almost surprised it hasn't come back sooner. So just for those who don't know, the original show ran from 1989 to 1993. I think it had like five or six seasons, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it saw former scientist Sam Beckett trapped in t- in time due to an experiment gone awry, leaping into the body, hence Swapcast mm-hmm. reference, of a different person in a different time each week. I didn't watch Quantum Leap, to be honest. I was mm-hmm. a sliders person, if anything, which mm-hmm. was a kind of a similar concept where it was like they kept having to go to a new dimension every episode, basically, and will they ever make their way back to their original um, dimension? Yeah. And I'm surprised that neither of those have had a reboot in the last 20 years, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. This seems like it was a long time coming and it was it was inevitable it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably review it on one of our podcasts <laughs> if and when that happens. Yeah. Westworld creator Jonathan Nolan's TV adaptation of video game series Fallout is set to go into production this year with Amazon. Uh, are you a fan of the Fallout video game series at all? Never or? played them. I haven't played a lot of them. Uh, it's For those who don't know, it's sort of like a post-apocalyptic uh, Western RPG. The latest few sort of one and two were isometric top-down games and then from three onwards they've all been first person sort of um open world adventure games basically and a the thing i think about is how many more post-apocalyptic tv shows slash movies do we need until we've had our fill i feel like I'm already worried about the fact that we're getting this last of us tv series which i think will people will be interested in but it's doing the same thing that like Walking Dead and stuff has been doing for a long time when it comes to zombies. I feel sort of the same way about post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, and also the Fallout series it's become known for in recent times is all about player choice. It's your ability to sort of create your own character and choose how you want to interact with different people and form relationships or don't and deal with situations in different sort of ways. And so I always wonder whether the that that part of the game that's so appealing that's such a core mechanic of the video game is gonna if you can't have that in a tv show it's going to be a straight narrative is the setting enough like uh the characters change from game to game there's not really an iconic iconic character in there except for some of the robots pip boy which is more of a mascot or uh vault boy i think he's called and like stuff like there's iconography but there's no characters that necessarily yeah. will follow through i just I don't know. I wonder if these things are going to be any good as a TV show. That's my concern. Look, nowadays they're probably not going to be good. They just need to have <laughs> enough. They just need to have enough IP recognition that people will tune in for a season and then it will get cancelled. Paul cuts straight to the point there. <laughs> That's all that matters. Uh, it's also been reported that Disney Plus is bringing back Tim Allen to reprise his role as Scott Calvin in a limited series spin-off of the 1994 film and series of films, The Santa Claus. Are you a fan of Tim, Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, Paul? Um, I definitely watched the first couple when I was a kid. Sure. And I know they use some of the songs from Hilary Duff's uh, Christmas album on the fourth one, I think, the one with Martin Short in it. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah. But, um, look, I'm not excited about this. Like, 
Uh, Tim Allen, I've had enough. Like, you know, he's, he's great as Buzz Lightyear, but even the Buzz Lightyear franchise is getting rid of him. It's moving on, yeah. So, you know, does, it's like all these Disney Plus reboots. Like, Lizzie McGuire was the only one we all, anyone wanted. And anyone we just keep wanted. getting. No one wanted Star Wars or Marvel. No one gives a shit about that. Uh, look, just one Lizzie. I'm not talking about that, obviously, those. But I'm talking about, like, the Disney reboots. I mean, sure. I guess there are the big fans of Mighty Ducks, but, yeah, like, yeah. like, apparently that Home Alone one was a piece of shit. I didn't yeah. watch that. So, yeah, I'm not excited. I think this is even more pertinent than what you were saying about Fallout. It's like, we've got this series of movies. Tim Allen's still around. He's looking for work. He, Last Man Standing just got cancelled again. Yeah. Uh, let's just shit out a Santa Claus series. That'll be get it done in time for Christmas. You know? Yeah. Bob's your uncle. That'll get people watching. Because uh, we've got that Hocus Pocus 2 film coming out. But that's, that's a been, film yeah. people want. That, that, <laughs> no, that is a film that people have been asking for for years. For years. That's a good point. Um, and Yeah. I mean, they do have a new Cheaper by the Dozen, but like- Oh, may- did you see the trailer for that? I watched that today. I, I watched a little bit of it. It came up on Instagram, but I, I, was, I didn't really oh. watch all of it. But I mean, it's like you reboot a franchise and take away Hilary Duff and Steve Martin <laughs> and I don't want to watch it anymore. And add Zach Braff. <laughs> yeah, and add Zach Braff. I mean, I do love Gabrielle Union, but still sure. like... Mm. It It has super TV movie vibes to it. Yeah. Like that, that, that's the vibe I'm getting from it. And that is kind of the vibe and I haven't watched it, but that's what I got from the Home Alone, sort of mm. new Home Alone film as well. Um, yeah. Which is a shame because they're also putting legitimate, like cinema worthy films on Disney Plus. Yeah. And then there's this other filler crap where they yeah. get, you know, tired old sitcom has beens who don't have work currently to, although they are doing good work directing shows at the moment, Zach Braff. Anyway, yeah. not important. <laughs> Official announcement stuff that's definitely happening. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus, we were just speaking about, have announced a new live action adaptation of R.L. Stein's young horror series, Goosebumps. Uh, it's set to be a serialized approach rather than the self-contained episodes of the books and the 90s TV series, which is interesting. This all comes after, of course, Aral Stein. Uh, his Fear Street books were adapted into a trilogy of films that were meant for the cinema that ended up on Netflix, which we both watched and both enjoyed quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, were you a Goosebumps reader? Were you a fan of the original 90s Goosebumps TV series? How do you feel about this new series? Uh, I was a huge fan of the book series. Mm-hmm. I read all of them when I was a kid. I um, definitely watched the TV show as a kid, but I remember even as a kid recognizing that the TV show was fucking terrible. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it well enough. I had a couple of videos, VHSs, <laughs> I think of that. But, yep. but I um, have to say, I never watched the sequel, but I actually really enjoyed the Jack Black Goosebumps movie. I liked it well enough. I thought I, I, it was yeah. one of those films where I looked at it was like, this has kind of got that Jumanji vibe to it. This mm. could be a lot of fun as like a, a semi like family appropriate horror film almost. You know, like and it was Jumanji a really sort of like, on fun premise as well. A very fun premise. The idea that R.L. Stein played by Jack Black somehow if you can release these characters he's had in his books into the real world and they're all there at once. That was a, it was a very cool premise. I'm, I yeah. was sucked enough to watch it. That's how much I like the premise. Yeah. Um, the idea of a, of a new TV series is interesting. It is, again, one of those things where it's like, you're just going off the name. Do kids these days read Goosebumps books? Like, 
I've definitely like given them to my little niece and nephew, and they okay. read them, enjoy them. So I, I think okay. there there is an audience. There's always going to be an audience for kids, like scary stuff for kids. That's and there. I don't think there's necessarily enough of that. Like, mm. I remember that being a really important part of growing up. Is kids' films did dare to be scary. I will mm-hmm. always remember Return to Oz as being one of the creepiest films I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, that ruined me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> that it's an important part of growing up. Disney Plus have also announced a Percy Jack- Jackson and the Olympians DV. Sorry, Disney Plus series uh, that's now in development. I butchered that, but basically, there's a Percy Jackson series coming. There was a series of movies of that too, weren't there? I never read those books. Yeah, I never read the books, and I never watched the movie. But I know that the author of the books denounced the movie when it came out, saying it was so far off of what the book was supposed to be about that he didn't want to be involved with it anyway. Uh, so I feel, uh, I think this new series is supposed to be a lot closer to his vision of I think what it's he might actually to be. be involved in this one. Yeah. Which if he wasn't the last time. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, let's exciting for people who are fans of the book series. Hopefully this new Disney Plus series lives up to uh, their expectations. Meanwhile, HBO have greenlit Doomsday Machine. Uh, this is a series based on the book... An Ugly Truth Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. It's described as a riveting human drama chronicling the political and social minefields Facebook has navigated on its relentless quest for growth. I mostly bring this up because Claire Foy has been cast to star as meta-platform COO Sheryl uh, Sandberg. And I'm, Mm -hmm. ever since watching the first two seasons of The Crown, if I see Claire Foy as cast (laughs) in something, I'm just instantly paying attention. Yeah. and that sounds interesting. I was a fan of The Social Network. Yeah. And certainly Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and that organization in general is probably worth attention, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I'm not going to put it on my list yet to watch, but I'm interested in this series. L- look, it's not based on a 90s Disney movie or a video game. <laughs> so why would we watch it? <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, yeah, what's the the metaverse? I guess is the uh, the IP that we're we're using there. But it's also on HBO. Now, if HBO is greenlit, then you you have to expect there's something going on there, which is good. Yeah, no, Speaking for sure. of HBO Max, have also announced that they're producing a Degrassi revival set to premiere in 2023. This will be the seventh Degrassi series. I didn't know there were so many, which has promised to explore a group of teenagers and school faculty living in the shadow of events that both bind them together and tear them apart. The show travels deep into the hearts and homes of diverse, complicated characters as they struggle to find their new normal, reach for hope, redemption, and love. That might be the most vague description (laughs) for a series I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I loved that. I was like, they have no fucking idea what the story is of this at all. (laughs) Yeah. But it also also describes pretty much every season of Degrassi that's ever happened. Um. Yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up with Degrassi Junior High um, and I never really watched all the later, like I never watched the Drake seasons, all them, but definitely like the OG Degrassi was definitely part of my childhood. And I remember like an educational part of my childhood. Like that's where I found out about HIV and suicide Mm. and all these subjects and in an actual nuanced way. So if they can give that to kids nowadays, go, go nuts. Degrassi and sex education, we're battling for the hearts and minds of the uh, teens that are being raised in this generation. Uh, Some release date news. The gritty Fresh Prince remake Bel Air is releasing on Peacock and Stan in Australia on February 13th, which is only a few days away now. I honestly still can't believe this is a real thing. (laughs) Um, Have you watched the the trailer with the announcement, Dana? I have, yeah. It, It... 
I remember watching like the original like wasn't even a pitch video. It was just someone was making a video on YouTube. It was like, what if Bel Air, well, like the Fresh Prince, but it was done serious. And even then I was like, this is funny because why would you ever take a sitcom seriously and make it gritty? And then it now it's a thing. And I still can't believe it's a thing. Yeah. Um, like watching the the one little fight that eventually leads to Will being going living with his aunt yeah. and uncle. It was just like, this is like so... I can't help but laugh at this idea. It's so weird. Did you see the SNL uh, skit where they did like a gritty reboot of Urkel? No, but that's that, that's exactly <laughs> what I think of. It's like, are you going to do this for other shows? Are you going to do this for Friends? Are you going to do this for fucking, I don't know, Seinfeld? Like, is this what we're going to do now? Do this for, I don't know, Happy End? No, what's, what's the... Someone suggested um, Happy Days. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do a gritty Happy Days where, like, there's, like, racial tension at school and stuff like that. Uh, it kind of sounds like they, Riverdale, to I was going to say, they kind of already did that with Riverdale, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, this doesn't look great. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be watching this. <laughs> I'm fascinated to see the reception. I'm fascinated to be told I'm wrong. I'm expecting that. And to find out this is a super popular show and that... I'm the asshole, which is quite possible. <laughs> uh, not a show we've talked about before, but one that's got my attention recently. Apple TV Plus's sci-fi thriller series Severance, Severance will premiere on February 18th. Have you seen the trailer for Severance? I haven't. I'd actually recommend taking a short break to go and check it out. I want to see what you think of this. Okay. While Paul watches the trailer very quickly, Severance is directed by Ben Stiller. Stars Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, and more, and is set within Lumon Industries, whose employees have undergone a severance procedure, which surgically divides their memories between their work and personal lives. What did you think of the trailer, Paul? That looks great. Uh, it, it reminded me, uh, I just saw in your notes you wrote that it, it reminds you of Maniac, Maniac and, uh, and that's exactly what I was thinking. And also um, the Amazon series Dispatches from, uh, sorry, the Amazon series Dispatches from Elsewhere as well. They okay. kind of seem like a mix of those two, um, which are two shows I really enjoyed. So Yeah, Maniac, Maniac we, we liked, but we weren't in love with necessarily, but... Mm. The vibes of that show, I was fully into in a big, big way. And this mm. has got that all over it. Um, yeah, it came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard anything about this show. Apple does that sometimes where I feel like they've got stuff brewing in the background. They don't talk about it. And then there's a trailer and that's released like a month later. Yeah. And this is one of those things. So that's coming out February 18th. I'm going to have to check it out. Whether we review it or not, whether we can fit it into our schedule the way we're going, we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty keen for that one. I definitely recommend checking it out. Very interesting that it's directed by Ben Stiller, too. I haven't seen a lot of his directorial work unless he's done comedies that I've watched and I didn't know he directed. But he's yeah, done... Uh, he, like, he directed the Zoolander movies. Oh, both of them did he? Well, I love yeah. the first one. And the mm. second one, I think, was a little bit over... Like, it wasn't great, but and, it wasn't terrible. And he directed Tropic Thunder. And that Walter... Well, Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty. Yeah. Um, that always looked interesting. I don't know if that was particularly well critically received. I never watched that either. But anyway, mm. this looks cool. And Adam Scott, love Adam Scott. He looks horrendous in this. I think yeah. on purpose. Um, very interesting. What yeah, cast great, well. great cast. I hope mm. since it's Apple TV Plus, it will be weekly episodes. Not I think heard. the first two episodes release from what I read. The first two episodes release on on February eighteenth, and then it's weekly from then on. Oh, awesome! Hopefully, short episode lengths as well. 
That'd be ideal. Yes. <laughs> Gotta love a short episode. Uh, Killing Eve's fourth and final season will premiere on BBC America and AMC Plus on February 27th. We reviewed the first three seasons. We'll probably have to review the, this latest one just to finish the set, really. I can't remember. Are you a Killing Eve fan at all, Paul? No. I haven't watched okay. it. Cool. Star Trek Picard <laughs> Season 2 has a release date of March 3rd. The latest trailer revealed that Whoopi Goldberg's Gwinan, I don't know if that's how you pronounce that name because I've not watched the show enough, uh, would be making a return this time around uh, alongside Q and a bunch of other people you recognise from the next generation because <laughs> you've got to have that recognisable IP. Bring yes. back your role, Patrick Stewart, onto set. Yeah. Get him standing up for enough time <laughs> to shoot some lines and then... Yeah. Getting him sitting down again because holy shit. Um. <laughs> we need that content, just whatever we can get. We just need content. Shove that content into our mouths. <laughs> did, did you watch Picard season one? I didn't. I've, I've watched um, all the other Star Trek reboots that have been happening, like sure. Lower, De- Lower Decks and Discovery. I really enjoyed, mm. but um, I heard what people were saying about Picard season one and it really put me off, so... Yeah, the, the the stuff I I was really trusting the red letter media guys. Um, Mike on that particular is a massive Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. and it sounded like all the things that make the next generation so special to him were missing. In that they turned what was very much a thought experiment sort of show, like a what if scenario every episode. Let's explore that to the fullest. Um, they turned into an action shooty shooty blam blam show in the se- in Picard which sort of betrays the entire point of what they were trying to do with the original series, which doesn't sound like a very good reason to make a show. But anyway, uh, the long-awaited Halo TV series will premiere on Paramount Plus on March 24th. There was a new trailer uh, with that announcement as well. What are you thinking about Halo? Are you a Halo fan? Yeah, I definitely spent many, many nights playing multiplayer Halo with my friends, Mm -hmm. like... I can remember just sleepless nights playing that all night long. Um, so I was looking forward to this, even though I haven't really, tense. I haven't really watched any of like the animes and stuff that they've released sure. of it over the years. Like I never really watched much of Red versus Blue or any of that stuff. No, but, that's not official content anyway. That's really yeah. just a bunch of dickheads using the in-game models, and then it sort of it sort of became an unofficially like. Yeah. A little brother to the thing, but yeah, red versus blue, it, it's hard to day. But then when I heard they were making like a you know big budget series, um, I well, do you mean my interest. 15 years ago when Spielberg yeah. was attached to it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been announced so many fucking times, <laughs> yeah. But then, um, so I didn't even realize the trailer was coming out, and I was looking at like my feeds and some social media, and the trailer just popped up and auto played, okay. And I thought it was the making of video because of the way it was lit. And then I realized, (laughs) oh, this is the show. It just looks like fucking cheap trash. Okay. Um, The acting stilted, the dialogue awful. It's like, this is what they're presenting to us in the trailer. It looks truly terrible. Huh. I didn't necessarily take that away from it. I don't think, the thing is, trailers can only get so far. And, And- I go as far as going, well, Master Chief looks like Master Chief. Mm-hmm. He doesn't sound like him, but they've, they've actually cast someone. Uh, Pablo Schreider, whatever his name is, the guy that played Porn Stash in yeah. um, uh, Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing Master Chief, which is an interesting choice. We may even see his face, which would be a new thing that's never happened in the games as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
I was impressed that the Covenant didn't look... The aliens, basically, didn't look like shit. They actually mm-hmm. looked half decent. It isn't necessarily well lit and shot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but it felt like Halo enough. It's definitely going to be an adaptation. I think the risk it really has is diverting too much off the established lore of the games, which people will want, who are big fans, I think will want to be like really true to what the games are. Mm-hmm. And maybe not forgive it for trying to adapt it to include new characters, to include more humans, to maybe not make Master Chief the only, like the totally central character to have other people around him. I think one of the villains seems to be human as well, which has kind of just not been a thing through Mm -hmm. Halo as far as I can tell. Um, And also Katana looks like shit, and I don't know why they did Katana that way. That's the one that really gets me. But do you think they like that was an intentional thing to make her look intentionally CGI? Like that she's, no, the problem is she looks too human. I, I wish, I almost wish they'd just take her like in-game model from the most recent games mm-hmm. and like just make it cinema worthy because mm-hmm. she's a hologram. Make her fucking see-through. Mm-hmm. The it, there's there's it's it'd be better if she was like a recognizable like computer-generated character mm-hmm. rather than this uncanny valley sort of place they're in. Yeah. Um. Didn't didn't love that, but you know maybe I'll come around to it because I'm probably going to watch the show. <laughs> Because it's pretty interesting. Uh, what other video game shows have we had? Arcane, uh, obviously. Well, one of my all-time favorite shows was from the 90s, the Mortal Kombat Conquest. Oh, right. You've told me about that before. Yeah. yeah produced by the WWE. Because we're getting a bunch of movies. <laughs> the TV shows are starting to roll out now as well. Mm-hmm. The other one that came to mind a second. Well, The Witch is not really a video game adaptation, though. That's no. a book adaptation. But obviously, the video games are as popular as ever. So, Uncharted yes. is coming out next week. Uncharted, the movie's coming out. Will I go see that at the cinemas? Bets are probably. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, like uh, I have to. It's my favorite video game series of all time. I have to watch it. Is it, it really? It's yeah. your favorite video game series? Wow. Yeah. It's a good series. It's a good mm. series. Four was real solid. I've been mm. meaning to play Lost Legacies. Now that there's a PS5 version of it, I'm going to give that a watch. I'll give that a play, I think. Anyway, uh, Marvel's next Disney Plus show it will be the Isaac uh, Oscar Isaac-led Moon Knight, which I have to admit I did not see coming. I thought that was going to be more of a late 2022 thing. I've, mm. I got the feeling that like um, Ms. Marvel was a lot closer, but it had been filming for so much longer. Anyway, I thought so anyway. Anyway, that's premiering on March 30th, and the trailer looks fucking sick. And yeah. I'm looking forward Can't. to that in a big way. Keen, keen. Uh, really, really good trailer. Like, really intriguing. Sets the tone really well. And I think does a good job of, like, cluing you in to where this might be going in some ways without over overplaying its hand either. It's keeping things from you that it wants you to, like, react to when you watch the show. That's cool. Amazon's upcoming Lord of the Rings series, now titled The Rings of Power, will premiere on September 2nd. Uh, a trailer is due to arrive pretty much the moment we finish recording this podcast, apparently, so we won't be able to react to that. Mm-hmm. Um, are you excited for that? I'll watch it. Hmm. If it's, <laughs> if it's good, I'm going to be a very happy man. Yeah, um, well, the amount of money they're spending on it, you'd, they'd be spewing if it's bad. They've all, I think they've already renewed it for a season two as well. Like, oh, wow. they're, they're banking heavy on this. So, Amazon, you know what? They got the money. Even yeah. if it doesn't go well, it's not going to hurt that much. No. Uh, and just quickly, Amazon's The Good Place ripoff, an absolute trash fire of a show upload, will apparently return for its unanticipated second season on March 11th. Will this somehow become relevant with the inevitable and horrific rise of NFTs in the metaverse? Probably not. 
I am so keen, and I really want us to review it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chances are slim, though not none. I'll put it that way. We'll see. Uh, but I, I get the feeling I'm out of curiosity to watch the first episode, and once I've thrown a brick through my TV, decide to never watch it again, basically. <laughs> uh, in renewal news, an announcement so quiet I missed it for two whole weeks, or maybe I was just doing a good job of taking a break from the podcast. Hulu has renewed The Great for a third season, which is happy news. We weren't particularly hot on season two compared to season one. Um and I've actually had a chance to re-watch some of season one again because Steph's been going through it for the first time and they do not compare. Season one does things... Just the dramatic side of season one is way, 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 way stronger than season two. Mm-hmm. But I am happy it's getting a season three because there's a lot that's still great about that show and you never know, it might be able to um, rebound and improve in season three as well. Are you a fan of The Great? I love The Great. Great was... the Season one was my favourite show the year it came out. Yeah, um, Season two, I think it went from a great show to a comfort watch. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. It, it really lent more into the comedy, betrayed mm-hmm. a few characters, I think. Didn't quite... Yeah, just, it, just didn't... Its follow-through wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, the Paramount Studios mega hit that I haven't seen a single frame of, Yellowstone, is returning for a fifth season. Have you watched any of that? No. Uh, my sister and her um, partner are obsessed with it. Um, I know that. I, I know they're considering getting Paramount Plus just to watch the spin-off wow. series of it. Yes, because so, there's, there's a prequel series that's out now. It's yeah, set like 200 this, years in the past or something. This show is just so popular and I could not tell you what it's even about. I, I, I think the description I heard was was like Red State Succession. But, okay. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Because obviously I love Succession. Um, but yeah, I, even, even with that popularity and critical acclaim, I'm not sure... We're going to get around to it anytime soon, I'll put it that way. Euphoria Season 2 has only just arrived, but HBO has already renewed it for a third season. Are you watching Euphoria? I am. I fucking love this show. And uh, this is definitely one of those shows that has um, benefited from being off the air for long enough that heaps of people caught up on Season 1. And now everybody's watching Season 2. So I'm not surprised that Season 3 is being renewed so quickly because the cultural conversation is definitely all about euphoria like after that episode drops there's like a million think pieces and people commenting memes and 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 it it's so out there and it's so outrageous that it kind of invites all that conversation so um i i I love this show i absolutely love it good for euphoria and while they're (laughs) at it hbo has also renewed danny mcbride series righteous gemstones for a third season uh, have you watched The Righteous, Gemst- Righteous Gemstones? No, I, I hear that it's great, but I haven't watched a single second of it. I didn't even know the premise. Uh, a world-famous televangelist family, the Gemstones, do not practice what they preach and use their ministry to fulfill their selfish motives and hide shocking secrets. It honestly sounds right in my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I've missed this show. I think I've probably heard the name mm-hmm. a couple of times, but I couldn't have told you it was a Dame McBride thing or anything like that. So that's cool. Maybe another one to to catch up on between seasons of succession. Uh, The L Word Generation Q is officially getting a third season on Showtime. That will make Damask both happy and enraged, I think. Uh, (laughs) Amazon's Size Accurate Reacher series is getting a second season. That's really... This is the Jack Reacher adaptation. Uh, People weren't happy that Tom Cruise was cast in the movies. He just wasn't the right size, apparently. Mm. They got it right this time. (laughs) Big burly man. And uh, hearing good things. Not great things, but good things. Uh, So, happy for that show and fans of that series. Grey's Anatomy, the show that just 
can't pull the plug, uh, is coming back for its 19th season, apparently. Um, have you watched much Grey's Anatomy? Not really. It's one of those shows that you're always shocked to hear is still happening. Yes. Yes. Well, good for it. It's obviously yeah. got... I, I have a client, actually, who I think last year caught up, like watched oh, the wow. 18 seasons through or whatever it was. And it's like caught up. And now it's like, it's really weird to try and watch this week to week when you've been binging <laughs> it, you know, five, six episodes at a time. Uh, in cancellation news, I know what you did last summer's TV adaptation has been cancelled by Amazon after just one season. This is interesting to me, I guess, since... It's happened at a similar time to this legacy sequel of Scream that's come out Mm -hmm. and has been a huge success at the box office, apparently, and has now announced they're getting a sequel series to the legacy sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, So, sorry, I know what you did last summer, but uh, you couldn't pull it uh, with Scream. I can tell you exactly why this happened. The Scream reboot was good, and the (laughs) I Know What You Did Last Summer reboot was fucking terrible. Well, it's good to Uh, know the system works. Yeah. I watched the first episode, and... I don't know. If, are you a fan of the original seri- uh, movie? Sorry, I've watched the original a long time ago. I wouldn't say I was a fan, but you know, like, it had uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. Of course, I watched it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think the appeal of the original is about a bunch of kids. They make a bad choice and end up in a situation out of their control. Sure. In this, in this one, it's about a bunch of pieces of shit right. who are like awful people and. The fact that they kill someone is just one of the many terrible things they did that night. And, like, why do I care if somebody's going to come back and kill them? Like, please kill them. Sure. Uh, Love, Victor will not be returning after its third season, which premieres on June 15th. Uh, Paul, tell me, you put this one on the list. Tell me about Love, Victor. So, Love, Victor is the um, the sequel series to the film uh, Love, Simon, the gay mm-hmm. rom-com. And uh, uh, the movie was criticised a lot for being about a pretty, like, uh, wealthy, white, good-looking kid and the struggles of him coming out to his parents that immediately accept him for who he is. Um, So the series does a lot to change that. Um, The the lead is like a a Latinx lead who's, you know, from lower income family who um, are quite religious and go through that whole thing with his coming out. So it's actually really nuanced, really um, well acted, well written show um, that I know has a lot of like fervent fans. But um, it's on Disney Plus in Australia and Hulu in America. Um, uh, so it's sad that it's uh, going to be ending so quickly. But from the sounds of it, they knew that they were ending. So hopefully we'll get some sort of conclusion at the end of it. So That's that's good to hear. You want to get a feeling that they've had a chance to wrap it up properly at least. That's good. Yeah. Uh, in casting... New- oh, sorry. There was one more. Uh, Julie and the Phantoms. What's Julie and the Phantoms? I'm not even aware of this. Okay, so um, this is a show that I fucking loved. It's a Netflix uh, series from Kenny Ortega, who is the mastermind behind the High School Musical movies and Hocus mm. Pocus. And mastermind, this is, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, this is kind of a mixture of those two franchises. So it's okay. about like uh, it's about a girl. Um, or oh, sorry, it's about a a boy band in the 90s who all eat um, 
a bad hot dog and die. And then um, flashes forward to present day and this girl gets haunted by the ghosts of this boy band. And then she realizes she's the only one that can see the ghosts. But when they all sing so This to is the- a heart and soul situation. When they all sing together, then everyone can see the ghosts. Ah, interesting. So then okay. she she makes a band with the the boys, and they become like a successful band together. But the thing is, she has to hide from everyone that they're ghosts. So she tells them they're they're Swedish holograms, and everyone believes <laughs> that. Um, so it's like goofy, but the music is great, um, and it's just a lot of fun. And this. This show has like a cult following now. Like the the music, this is I'm really shocked it didn't get renewed because like the albums all like top the charts. Huh. Um, like there's they've already had conventions for the show. Like Shit. it's like there is an audience. Why Netflix didn't pick this up for season two? I don't understand. Make a season two and sell some NFTs, guys. That's what you do. That's how yeah. you just keep this money train rolling. So the fans, uh, when they announced the cancellation, they did one of these like, you know, save our shows campaign. Mm. And they actually got the show back on the top 10 in like 10 different countries from just Shit. their viewership. I don't get why Netflix hates the show so much. So, um, but I would definitely recommend everybody, if you love high school musical, if you love goofy shit like that, watch Julie and the Phantoms. You will have a blast. It does sound like a cool, really cool premise. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, in casting news, Aubrey Plaza and Michael Imperioli will join Jennifer Coolidge in the second season of White Lotus. Plaza will be playing Harper Spiller. A woman on vacation with her husband and his friends, while Imperioli is playing Dominic Grasso, a man travelling with his elderly father and college-aged son. Uh, it's also been announced that season two will pl- take place in Sicily. Does this make you more excited or less excited somehow for White Lotus season two? <laughs> no, equally excited. I- I'm equally just happy excited. it's happening. Um, I like Audrey, Pla- Audrey Plaza. I think that she'll be a good inclusion. And I've only really seen Michael Imperioli in The Sopranos. And I'd like to watch him in a show that I'm probably going to like. That'll be fun. (laughs) Uh, What else we got here? Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast in the upcoming Star Wars series Ahsoka for Disney+. Mum's the word on who she could be playing, but as you can imagine, the internet is full of ideas. I'll suggest you go look for those if that's something you want to do. Um, (laughs) But it could be some good things there. I do like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, so pretty happy to see her. She's great. Final Destination for... uh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is where I was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Birds of Prey. She's good in that. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Jackson is set to join Lizzie Kaplan in the upcoming Fatal Attraction TV series for Paramount+. Plus. This probably means he isn't replacing Coach Bombay in the new season of Disney Plus's My Duck Show, so what's the point? <laughs> um, but that's good casting. I, I really like both Lizzie Kaplan, which we already knew about, and Joshua Jackson. Mm-hmm. The idea of a Fatal Attraction TV series doesn't interest me that much, but that casting kind of like at least... You know, raises an eyebrow, if that makes sense. Are you interested in the show at all? Um, I mean, I've never watched the original. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, should put that on our movie club list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, some <laughs> uncasting news. Francis McDormand and Bandit Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch, who provided the voices of God and Satan, respectively, in season one, will not be returning for Good Omens season two. 
That's interesting. Maybe just too high a price to pay to do some voiceover work. Maybe mm. there's just no narrator this time around. So they didn't need McDormand. Who knows? Uh, in other news, starting to wrap this up, long-running children's cartoon series Arthur is set to have its final ever episode. It's crazy that's still going. <laughs> on February 21st, after 25 years on PBS, the final episode will reportedly show the core cast all grown up. Any interest in watching the Arthur finale? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I definitely watched it as a kid, but definitely. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it will go like the six feet under route and then show all their deaths. That would be amazing. <laughs> There's no more story. Though, did you hear? Just spoilers for Six Feet Under there for a second. They're doing a reboot series of Six Feet Under, apparently, and everyone's like, "How? We literally know how they all die because that's what you did in the finale. Why would you bring it back?" Yeah. Content, content, we just need it. (laughs) (laughs) The long-awaited Bob's Burgers movie has a theatrical release date of May 27th, 2022. I watched enough of that show now to be pretty excited to go see that, actually. Are you a fan of Bob's Burgers? Love Bob's Burgers. Um, Love the fact that now Disney Plus are like showing the episodes at the same time as America. Oh, we're we're actually in sync now, are we? We're actually in sync, which is great. Um, And the trailer for the movie looks super fun. It, mm-hmm. It's had gone the Simpsons uh, movie route where it's just the same animation style but in um, CinemaScope and the characters have more shadows when they move around. More shadows, maybe a high frame rate slightly. Like yeah. You can just see it's a little bit smoothed over. It, I got yeah. super the S- Simpsons the movie vibes from yeah. the trailer, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. That was actually at a time when The Simpsons was really fading for me. The movie actually was not bad. Yeah. Um, it's probably the last Simpsons thing I really liked, actually. Pixar's next film, Turning Red, uh, will be the third Pixar film in a row to go straight to streaming on Disney Plus since the start of the pandemic. Uh, this follows Soul and Luca. Um, this is obviously not TV news. It's more just streaming service news. But I'm starting to really feel for Pixar here. Um, I don't get it. I don't get why they're doing this. I don't really get it either. It's... I just guess they don't have the confidence that these... I mean, it's great content for Disney+. Plus. Um, mm. If you want to make give value to that service, then a Pixar film that is cinema-worthy being released on there exclusively on there will get people to sign up, you would imagine. But I really feel like these films deserve a theatrical release. I would love to be seeing all those movies, Soul Luca and Turning Red, at the cinemas. I'd be there week one. Especially since, like... Films like Raya and the Last Dragon and Encanto actually made decent money at the box office before going to Disney Plus. So yes. they're showing that these films can still open. So why why are you just giving away money? Yeah, I, there's this part of me that's like, is there some back end contract deal? The relationship that Disney have with Pixar because it's not it's not typical. It's not they just absorbed. I know they bought them, but Pixar still mm. its own brand. Is there something that Disney can leverage by not having? them release films at the cinema. I don't know. Um, but apparently it's upsetting a lot of the creators at Pixar as well. I don't know why you want to be pissing them off. Yeah. Well, Weird. at least the thing uh, with this is that it's a body swap movie and it make, this makes it much easier for us to review it. True. <laughs> True. This will, be the, this will be the second Pixar film. Yeah. <laughs> you review the podcast. Uh, 
Apple have bought the rights to the Godzilla MonsterVerse and are planning to make a TV show for Apple TV+. Plus. This probably should be an announcement, so I look at it. Uh, developed by Chris Black and comics veteran Matt Fraction, the series will focus on one's one family's journey to uncover its buried secrets, secrets and a legacy linking them to the secret organization known as Monarch, which is exactly what you want a Godzilla series to be about. A fucking family <laughs> secret and a secret organization and not about monsters kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah, they're not learning the right lessons from these movies. Like the last Godzilla versus Kong was a huge hit, but and it was super fun, but everything that wasn't Godzilla and Kong fighting <laughs> was kind of fucking trash. There you go. Fox Entertainment, that's the part of Fox that still remains after 20th Century Fox was gobbled up by Disney, has bought the rights to Gumby. <laughs> As pl- content, content, content. As playing to make a new animated series, a some live action original content, and of course NFTs. Oh my god! This is as cynical as you, as it gets, guys. We're going to the fucking Gumby well to make NFTs. <laughs> Just what everyone's asking for. Fucking dead. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Peloton must have pissed off someone in Hollywood after yet another TV character, this time on Showtime show Billions, has had a heart attack on screen <laughs> while riding one of their bikes. This is the second in the first two months of 2022. Holy crap. <laughs> what a trend. Imagine if that actor then also came out as a rapist afterwards. It'd be like that- the perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, why does it keep repeating and does this come in threes? Who's the next one going to be? Uh, I very quickly, I don't want to dwell on this, but I very quickly wanted to mention a recent Vulture profile that was done on disgraced Buffy and Firefly creator Joss Whedon. We've talked a lot about Whedon and the accusations against him in the past. Um, the read is interesting, but not something that I would necessarily recommend people read. Not because it's like it's hard to read or anything like that. Mm. Just because your mileage might vary in curiosity about the Joss Whedon situation, your relationship with Joss Whedon is probably a bit different <laughs> to mine. Um, and yes, he does address most of, if not all, the allegations made against him in recent years. But I think the only real value I took away from it was getting probably my clearest picture yet of who Joss is. As someone who was a big, 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 big fan of his mm-hmm. back in the day and has been wrestling with this sort of decline of his image and not just popularity, but like... He he his character has you know got a lot of dirt on it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to sort of get a feeling of like I understand this person a bit better now. Damask and I were texting back and forth about it, um, and she came up with the term "soft boy egomaniac." <laughs> I think that really summed it up really well. Yeah. Um, bottom line: don't have heroes, anybody. They just let you down. Yeah, I, I read that entire article. Yeah, what do you think? The bit that really, like, put a weird image in my brain that one of the people in the article is describing the time that she's in her office doing work on her desk and Joss Whedon and one of the actresses from the show are literally making out and rolling around on the floor underneath her. Behind her, her, I think, yeah. Like, I just logistically, I don't understand (laughs) what is going on here. It just sounds insane to me. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, like, I think there's possibility that some of these things are are a little bit exaggerated. That seems so weird as to be cartoonish, right? Like, I can imagine it being just in the next room, in sight maybe even, and being gross. 
But either way, it's still fucking gross, <laughs> even if it is slightly exaggerated. Um, it's yeah. not it's not good behaviour at all. Um, oh, and despite all efforts from showrunner Eliza Clark, Why the Last Man will not be saved by another network for a second season, so stop wishing for that, Broad. It's not happening. You also <laughs> wanted to talk about the Lightyear trailer that just dropped. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you seen it? I have. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. So this is the, for those who don't know, this is... A spin-off, I guess you would say, of like Toy Story. It's the movie that's sort of about the... Per- I've seen mixed reports that's about the real life, like in the real world that Andy and his toys exist in, the real life astronaut that inspired the toy line of Buzz last year. Like, yeah, I was thinking it was more like this was like this Lightyear movie we're going to watch was like a movie that was released and then the Buzz Lightyear merchandise and TV show and everything followed on from that was what I thought it would be, but maybe I'm wrong. uh, I think that would be the case because like Toy Story is set in the real world apart from the fact that the toys come alive. It's not a world with aliens and shit. Right. It feels like it's set in like the now and the the, a world that we recognise apart from the living toys. Yeah. Um, Not a world that has lasers and astronauts that fly and all that and, and aliens and shit like so i don't understand how that's uh, maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe we're all but wrong and no, this really well, is- pixar have done this before with this franchise people forget there was a 2d animated yes. movie buzz Lightyear of star command that came out in the night, oh, well, in the early two thousands, was it a movie or a TV show? I th- or I think it might have been one of those ones a, where it they was definitely a TV show. I think they took the first three episodes and released uh, it as a film first. That sure, kind of thing. Sure, sure, yep. Um, but that Clone was definitely it. that. It felt like that would be the show that Andy would have watched and yeah. to make him want to buy the toy of Buzz Lightyear. Sure, absolutely. And so that's why I was like, yeah, this was the film spin-off of that or the film that started that then inspired the TV show that inspired the toys or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Either way, it is about like the character that the Buzz Lightyear toy is based on, his spacefaring astronaut adventures. I think the thing I'm liking the most about it, like Chris Evans uh, doing the voice and not Tim Allen is A, good choice. What an Um, upgrade. What an upgrade. (laughs) But it has a real just like adventure vibe to it that I'm really liking. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks quite good. It does have a bit of like that realistic grungy brown look to it. Do you yeah. get that at all? Yeah. Which is a bit disappointing, like by trying to make it more grounded and gritty. It and looks real. like it could take place in the Prometheus universe. I was going to say inside like Call of Duty or something like that, <laughs> but like maybe a little bit more sci- uh, sci-fi. But yeah, I totally right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm into it. Um, it, I wonder how it's going to ride that vibe between adventure film and, like, they've introduced this robot cat character, mm-hmm. which is a very Disney-like quip machine. It's like, yeah. we can't give him a, a Disney princess animal to follow him around. We'll give him a robot cat, which mm-hmm. is basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I think it would be great. And I'm looking yeah. forward to hopefully seeing it in a real cinema yes. and not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Yes, purely because it's recognisable IP, which Soul, <laughs> Luca and uh, totally. Tony Red happen to not all be IP you know driven. What? That is the why they're doing it. What they're trying to do is go, stop making original content. Mm-hmm. We won't put it in the cinemas. Keep making sequels. Then we'll let you put it in the cinemas. 
Yeah. That's what Disney's trying to do. Cars 5, Cars 6, give it to us. <laughs> Content. <laughs> one another Toy Story, one another Finding Nemo, one another fucking Monsters Incorporated. Just keep chewing it out, baby, and we'll keep putting in cinemas. Until then, Disney Plus is where you belong. Yeah. Uh, the Oscars, uh, the nominations for the 2022 Oscars were announced overnight. Anything you particularly want to talk about there, Paul? Uh, just a really solid list of nominations. Um, I... Like, great to see so much love for June and West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of snubs, uh, like Simon Rex for Red Rocket, uh, really cut deep that he didn't get his nomination. Um, but o- overall, um, I'm really looking forward. I-, I hope that the ceremony will live up to the films that are nominated because last year's ceremony was trash. I was talking to a friend of mine who we often have an Oscars party the night of. We avoid watching it during the day because we're working mm. or whatever. And we have a, uh, a re-watch or a watch of it at night time and do a betting thing beforehand and stuff. And we've been doing that basically every year for the last five, six, seven years. And you were there last year. I think you'd already watched it, but you watched along with us yeah. online. It was a fucking sad affair last year. <laughs> uh, that... I, we were talking about this, yeah, today. It's like the, the ceremonies are always the worst... But the reason last year's was the worst was completely different. It just mm. wasn't entertaining. It was it was missing the the dorky like the actors trying to read the prompters they've never read before and not getting a laugh sort of yeah. awkward moments. It was just boring. Just so boring. Did you watch the actual nomination and announcements last I night? I did not, no. Uh, so they're um they said the theme is like for the love of movies or something like that. So a I lot feel of, like they just riff on that theme every yeah. year, but sure, go on. Um, so they half of the categories were announced by like regulars that they crossed to. So they had like a bunch of firefighters or it's like people in a school or people in a hospital. Um, so I feel like that kind of fuckery is going to happen in the uh, in the ceremony itself. Does that inspire you this is going to be a better ceremony or worry you oh i definitely worry (laughs) yeah like i just want to forget about all the fucking bullshit i have to deal with like i if i want to see ugly normal people i'll just look out (laughs) out of my fucking window i want to see i'll look in the mirror and i'll see one (laughs) exactly i i want to watch the oscars to see a whole a bunch of extremely wealthy millionaires wearing like clothes that cost more than my house and <laughs> congratulate each other on how wonderful they are. That's what I, that's what I'm what going to watch. I don't want to watch some like person fighting a fire going, oh, this is why I love fucking movies. I don't give a fuck. A, a good place to start would be just to actually have a fucking host this year, like mm. a real host. I saw someone, I can't remember who, on Twitter saying, can we get like Maya Rudolph or someone to do it? I still think... Get Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. They fucking kill it every time they've done, uh, was it the Emmys they normally do? Yeah. Get them to do the Oscars. Please. Yeah. yeah. Or or like the year that Anne Hathaway and James Franco did it. Like, just get people that are going to crash Anne and Anne Hathaway did it and James Franco was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see someone crash and burn because that's entertaining as well. Like, give totally. me something. Something. That's the problem with like Jimmy Kimmel, who they've had a few times in recent years, is like, he's too safe. Yeah, it's like there's no, there's no potential for it to go badly. You're not gonna have a great ceremony. You're gonna not have to have a trash fire ceremony. It's gonna be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Paul, an hour after we started recording, hour and 10 minutes, actually, <laughs> what have you been watching? Oh, I've been watching so much. I, I'll say I, this is quite a fucking list in front of me. <laughs> I won't like go on too much about a lot of these, but like I have to say we're in a really good spot for TV and movies at the moment. Like every time I go to watch a TV show, I actually it's hard to choose what I'm going to watch. Not because there's nothing to watch, it's because like there's multiple shows I'm really wanting to catch on with because I'm really enjoying lots of them and just finding the time for all of them. Um, this is a great. A this is a great time for TV if you're not doing a TV fucking podcast where you yeah. watch a season every week. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I don't know how we're going to fit this all in. We're going to have to start making tough choices and what yeah. we actually review. Fuck. But yeah, yeah, and and even going to the movies, like every time I've gone to the movies and I've been going quite a bit, it's like I've got five movies to choose from. Like, which one am I going to go watch? And now that the Oscars have been nominated, I've got sixteen movies to watch before <laughs> the the the, uh, the ceremony happens. Mm. But um, okay, so. Uh, a show I really want to champion because I haven't heard a single soul talking about the show besides myself is the Apple TV Plus original Acapulco. Have you heard of this show? No. I mean, I've heard of Acapulco, but I've not heard the show Acapulco, no. Yeah. So when I uh, watched Ted Lasso, I kept getting trailers for this and I thought, oh, that looks kind of fun. Oh, what's the premise? Maybe I have seen this. So seen it's the set in a Mexican resort in the 80s. Yes, I have seen the trailers. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So um, I think if you are after a sitcom with short episode lengths, like they never go over half an hour. You're winning w- me so far. Workplace uh, vibes. So sure. the workplace happens to be a super bright, vibrant seaside Mexican resort that's like... Really beautiful to look at. Um, this show's for you. It's really fun. Uh, like, the romance works. The comedy is funny. Uh, really diverse cast. Um, like, it's shot in Mexico with uh, native-speaking like native speaking actors. So, some of it's in English. Some, is, some of it is in Spanish language. But um, it, it's just a really breezy, easy show to watch. Um, and I'm having a ton of fun with it, and I, I think it's a real shame that nobody is talking about it. Um, cool. Uh, so that's yeah. Acapulco on Disney Plus. Oh, sorry, no, uh, Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so another show that I had no interest in, but then Brendan 
assured me it was up my alley, so I gave it a shot, and I'm so glad I did, mm. is a show on Netflix called Saturday Morning All-Star Hits. Have you yes, heard I've of this? I've seen the trailer for it. It seemed like cheese TV, but off the wall, like, psycho- yes. like maybe like going to like psychological horror route or something like that, like really weird vibes to it. Yeah. So this one's from uh, Kyle Mooney, who is an SNL cast member, and he also did a great film with him and uh, Mark Hamill a few years back called um, Brigsby Bear, um, which we covered on an episode of the Swapcast in one of our um, Tenuous Swap episodes. And uh, that film was very much mired in like children's television, and obviously this is as well. the premise of the show is that you're not watching the show, you're watching somebody's VHS tape recordings of the show. Cool. So it's like a cheese TV uh, Saturday morning kids show. So you're watching like the the live action introductions to the cartoons mm-hmm. plus the cartoons themselves. But you're also seeing some of the commercials and then you're also seeing like news uh, breaks in between the show and all these things kind of create a larger narrative when they're all put together. That's awesome. It's a really ambitious show. At, at first I was like, oh, this is a bit silly. And then by the end, I'm like, this show is genius. This cool. show is like on another level. Carl Mooney plays... Um, all like nearly all the live action characters. So by the end, he's playing like eight different live action characters plus all like a majority of the voiceovers in the cartoons themselves. So this is very much like he created it and is the driving force towards the whole show. Um, super ambitious. If you love like nostalgia, you know, the, the show's like kind of directly parroting shows like He-Man and Care mm. Bears and all those kind of shows, um, but skewering them in really out there ways. Um, I really hope I've sold someone on this show. Yeah. I really want people to watch the show. <laughs> I was already interested in it and I was probably picking up on a lot of those vibes and that's the sort of thing we'd go for. It's always just a question of how successful can the show be? So yeah. to hear from someone that's watched it that it, it like sticks the landing um, yeah. and, it, and it actually pulls together in a satisfying way is very cool. Did you ever watch... Did you ever see the YouTube series Hug Me, I'm Scared? Yes. So not, if you not, like those vibes, you'll I think you'll go with this show as well. Cool, 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 cool. All right, yeah. very cool. Saturday Morning All-Star Hits. That's on Netflix. Yes. Awesome. Um, Want to do a quick shout-out to the MacGruber series. So this is mm. the uh, TV series spin-off of the um, the movie starring um, Will Forte and Kristen Wiig and Ryan Philippe and everybody comes back for the uh, TV series, as well as Lawrence Fishburne and Billy Zane. Um, If you love the movie, the show is exactly the same. It just feels exactly the same. So if you want, like, goofy Will Forte craziness, um, definitely give MacGruber a go. Excellent. Where can you watch that? It's on Stan. Stan Australia? Cool. Yes. And in the States, it's on Peacock. Peacock. Cool. Um. Quick shout out that I've been watching How I Met Your Father. Um, Don't I, ask how. I, I, I did a quick trip to the high seas and <laughs> found it there. 
Um, I mean, you can uh, theoretically go to the States now, so let's just... You may have been, you know, flown to yeah. Hawaii or something like that. I, I've been it. flying weekly to go watch the show <laughs> and coming back. I'm that devoted to Hilary Duff. You know what? I almost believe it. <laughs> um, so I will say it's it's a sequel series to How I Met Your <laughs> Mother that stars Hilary Duff, and uh, that's all I need to watch it. So... Um, Sorry, I'll interrupt for a second here. I went yeah. looking for this Bob Saget line, right? The mm-hmm. kids, let me tell you an incredible story, right? And in doing so on YouTube, it sort of showed me just like the f- it was like a video of the first and last lines of every character in the show, mm-hmm. right? And I watched the first three, which was Ted, Lily, and then Barney. And by the time I'd seen Barney's first line, I was like, fuck, this show has aged so poorly. It was like a supremely racist joke. And I was like, wow, have they at least improved on that sort of stuff a little bit? Maybe update the humour? Very much so. Um, So it's it's an extremely diverse cast now. We've got people of all races, sexualities, um, and the show has made a very concerted effort um, and I've been like watching a lot of interviews with the cast. Um, they've made an effort to never make that the point of any of the characters. Sure. So they just happen to be lesbian and they happen Good. to be other races. And the show just wants, they really want that vibe of like, these are just like the original cast. They just happen to look different and they happen mm-hmm. to date different kinds of people. I, I will say like, um, as someone that's still on, you know, the app scene, uh, this show is quite relatable in that way. Okay. Um, but uh, definitely, like, it feels very traditional. It's a, it's still got the laugh track. It's still yeah. got the joke structure and the production values of an, a traditional sitcom. So mm. how much you're able to put up with that um, may vary. But I, I hope we get, will get to speak to about the show in depth in the future when it finally arrives in Australia. We'll see it's, how it's on the list. There is a lot of competition, but we'll see how we yeah. go. We'll find a way, I think. Um, Peacemaker, I'm pretty confident you guys will be doing an episode on this show. Uh, so I'm I pretty sure. It's it's The buzz around it's too strong almost not to. And yeah. I, so, while it's, I don't know, the, sometimes the vibe of the trailers made me go, eh, I'm sure it's good, but I don't know if I'll watch it. It was more that like everyone's just talking about how good it is that I'm going to have to, we're going to have to, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, I have to say, like, I'm definitely more of a Marvel person than a DC person. Mm-hmm. Um, this is better than any of the um, Disney Marvel shows. Including WandaVision and Loki? On a pure enjoyment level, I think Loki and WandaVision are probably more ambitious and on a technical level do sure. better stuff. But in terms of how much fun I'm having per episode... Peacemakers blowing them out of the water. That's awesome. That's that's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, I trust James Gunn at this point. He's done and too much is, good stuff. Not this to. is the most James Gunn, James Gunn thing you'll ever watch. Cool. Like, it feels definitely more in line with something like Slither than something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Because um, this is obviously, this is like a spin-off sequel series to Su- the, Suic- Suicide Squ- the Suicide Squad, yeah. which released last year, the James Gunn. Um, yeah. Sort of sequel to Suicide Squad from whenever that was a few years yeah. before that. Um, so that's interesting. So it does it sort of sets itself apart even from that that version of James Gunn. Yeah, like, I mean it, it's definitely like a lot more like brutal ultra violence. The humor mm. is definitely fits more into what you'd expect from a traditional like 
non-Disney, non-studio James Gunn movie. That is... I tell you what, if I don't think like... Well, not every series of these that's coming out is going to have James Gunn attached. So, that's a big caveat. But... It's great to see that if WB is going to enter sort of this, let's make TV shows that exist alongside our DC movies, Mm -hmm. that they're aiming to do something different and maybe you're going to succeed. Mm Because we're going to have that Penguin series. And I think they were talking about Jim Gordon series that are both going to be spinoffs of Matt Reeves' The Batman, which comes out next month. And there's going to be a Dune series as well. Dune Mm -hmm. series, sorry. Everyone keeps Mm -hmm. telling me I need to stop saying it that way. Um, Which, love that film. But I'm interested to see if there's an appetite for that TV show, but this is a good starting point. That's cool. Yeah. Just a quick shout out to um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia that um, for a while there, it wasn't available to stream anywhere and Disney Plus have put the entire thing on their streaming service now in Australia. Yes. So I I had never actually watched it when it first came out. Um, so when I got Amazon last year, I started watching it and then Amazon pulled it and I wasn't able to continue. So now I'm, I'm right back on that always sunny train and that show is fucking fantastic. Like it's <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. And I'm just, I'm, I don't usually binge shows, but I'm trying to binge through it because I'm just afraid it's going to get pulled. I just like. I just don't know, see that happening with Disney Plus unless they start. Do, I was thinking about this as well. They start, unless they start doing the vault thing where they deliberately take stuff off to uh, like. I'm not talking about that kind of being getting pulled. I'm talking about like people cancelling the show because or or getting rid of episodes because they find them too controversial. How many seasons have we had now? Well, we've had it's lo- the longest running sitcom on television. Yeah. Officially, but like already six episodes are unavailable now. Um in, oh, in really? the great in the great um blackface blackface purge of 2020. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um and six episodes. Yeah, so Fucking, that's then, Joe Rogan numbers. Holy y- shit. Yeah, so and this show is an equal opportunity offender. They have offended yeah, yeah, yeah. every every group, every minority, everything out there. So I'm just waiting for the next batch of episodes to be pulled away. So I'm just right. trying to eat, uh, get through them as quickly as I can. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a hilarious show. Um, They'll always be available under the black flag somewhere if you really yes. need to find those ones. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe. I wonder actually if they've. Uh, Put that up the the Dungeons and Dragons episode of Community back up yet? Um, on Netflix. I, as last I time I checked it, yeah, it's available on Stan, but not on Netflix or vice versa. <laughs> so weird, so weird. But, but uh, on on that though, this week uh, I'll, I'll do my reality check in a second. One of the shows I'm going to be talking about is RuPaul UK versus the World. Sure. One of one. Have you been watching? No, no. So I, I the problem was I started watching and everyone else stopped watching. So I felt for the sake of humanity I should stop watching RuPaul for a while and let everyone just like enjoy it again. Okay. Well, one of the queens does blackface. <gasps> and no. Nobody is upset and I can't what? understand why like they're definitely not doing it in a like in the traditional sense of trying to look like an African-American person and in that character could way. Sure. They've painted their face black, though. So it's I would put it as the equivalent of what Chang does in that community episode. Well, I was going to ask, what's the category? What's the so reason? So 
dressing up like a chess piece. Oh, okay. Hmm, that's interesting. So because it is that is a bit like I'd say that's even like a step down from the Chang thing. Because even the the Chang one, for those who don't know, there's an episode of Community where the character of Chang dresses up as a drow and is fully blacked out face, whole body, basically. Hmm. And the joke uh, is in the show that I think Shirley says is no one going to say anything about this hate crime. So they actually draw attention to the fact that this is like, if not crossing a line, is very close to the line Hmm. and needs attention. So that's part of the reason I think I understand where... Because, yeah, when you are deliberately trying to toe the line to make the joke, kind of maybe you need to accept that people are not going to like this. Mm. That doesn't sound like what's happening here, though. It's not a... It was... It, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. And I certainly am not going to be upset <laughs> if people are, uh, are offended by it, but it does yeah. seem like that's in line with the costume. I don't know if you've seen... You can go to, like, a Kmart or something, right, and buy face paint and body paint, right? Mm. Yellow, red, white, whatever colour you want. The black one always, because it's face paint, always has another colour through it to make it like, so you dressed up the colours of your team or whatever, but we can't put this person in complete blackface. Yeah. Um, Which is a very smart move on their part, obviously, the people who make the product. Um, Yeah, not I I, I don't know. It's obvious what they're trying to do, right? Yeah, like, they are, you can see that they are trying to be a chess piece, but- When I saw it, I was shocked. Well, Rue has generally been, from the bits I've seen, I've not seen nearly as much RuPaul as you, Rue has generally, it feels like, been on top of that stuff for the most part. Uh, people have been pretty critical of RuPaul in oh, okay. terms of of those kind of controversies. and uh, Yeah, because like Rue's always gone and always come at the place of wanting to forgive and give people second chances when the internet are very is very much not about that. So that she's was a big come part under, of that in the, the Australian or the Down Under one last yeah. year. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, watch Always Sunny while you can, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I have been watching a little bit of reality TV. Um, so, as I, as I mentioned... Uh, RuPaul is back two different seasons, uh, UK versus the world and the US season 14 is out. Uh, Enjoying both. Um, uh, US has actually been a lot of fun. Um, I was kind of like a bit RuPaul'd out and it kind of reinvigorated my love for the franchise again. So uh, I would definitely recommend if you've kind of bowed out might be a good time to go back in. That's what that's the question I was going to ask. Is like we binged a lot of seasons last year when we had downtime and sort of caught up, not fully mm. caught up, but got into RuPaul for the first time. I, you know, I now feel like I've got a pretty strong understanding mm. of what that show and why it's popular, and I've enjoyed a lot of it. But boy, it's interesting how there are like so many seasons of this show per like every year to the point where there are two happening at the same time. Yeah. When does the burnout start to happen? And it kind of feels like it is happening for some people, that they are just feeling a bit like, I've watched a lot of RuPaul and the formula doesn't change all that much and like seasons will vary in quality, but maybe I've seen as much as there is to really get out of RuPaul at this point. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. I At this point, I feel like RuPaul is to gay culture what sport is to straight culture. 
And sure, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, and like people rarely go like, I'm not going to watch uh, that football game because I watched another football game this week. Like, <laughs> that's a very good point. And also, I think it, it has that place in gay culture in the fact that it's something that we can all discuss and analyze together and especially as a single person on the dating scene it's a very easy shorthand for dating conversation it's something you can always go back to and it's something that always like manages to reinvigorate a conversation that you're having with someone if if it's something you know peters off you're like oh how about that queen and this look and, you know, it's just something to talk about. So I feel like it's going to have that place for a while. I think it's really well, well, really well explained how that continues to be successful. And it's funny how even if something is like, if it is losing its shine somewhat, that becomes the conversation. It's like, oh, I haven't been liking this season of RuPaul as much as previously. The queens just aren't as good and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And like, even that's the conversation, right? But yeah, exactly. you're not watching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, but a show that I will never tire of is At this too stage. <laughs> ne- never <laughs> <laughs> is too hot to handle. This show just is just like a little gift every time I watch it. It's just so much fun. Just a whole bunch of horny people <laughs> being denied the right to have sex with each other <laughs> and just seeing them increasingly get more and more upset. It Life's just never pleasures. Get, it never gets old. This season is uh, as enjoyable as all. There's a new, like, uh, main one. We've had, like, a few international seasons, but we're back to the main timeline now. Um, <laughs> this this year, uh, there's an Australian uh, woman on there named Georgia who every single guy in the show is obsessed with and they are just all fighting over the one girl. So apparently us Australians are in... Hot demand. Well, if you're you happen to be a stunningly beautiful Australian woman, I guess the re- the rest uh, of the world has been denied Australia for a couple of years now. So you know, there's a hankering there, I guess. Yeah, um, this uh, season's a lot of drama. Like uh, they really just can't keep their hands off of each other, and they <laughs> they they doubled the fines. Um, the episode I just watched, a couple in one night burnt through. Over a hundred thousand dollars in prize money from Holy doing shit. Yeah, so it, it is. It's intense. Um, love this show. I just love it. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Um, so yeah, definitely too hot to handle on Netflix. Cool. And uh, if you love the idea of a reality show, but you just don't want to commit more than five minutes to it, <laughs> I would highly recommend. A show that you can watch on Snapchat called Phone Swap. Mm. So, um, in the Discover feed in Snapchat, there's like shows, and a lot of them are shit, but Phone Swap is the exception. Um, so, it's a reality show where they put two people on a blind date and then they tell the people that they have to swap phones with each other and go through each other's phones. So they don't know this beforehand. They don't know beforehand. So they can't prepare for it. And then they go through each other's like messages and dating apps and photos and find the dirt on each other and then have to decide if they're going to go on a second date or not. And it's always hilarious. Um, The episodes are super quick, um, gets right to the point. So if you want some like quick trash... 
phone swap on uh, Snapchat, I would highly recommend. The junkiest of junk food, this one. Yes. <laughs> nice. This uh, is interesting. Cool. And uh, I have been able to go to the movies quite a bit, so I just wanted to shout out um, a few films I've watched. Um, there's a, a new film that just came out this week called Flea, which was just nominated for at the Oscars last night for Best Animated Film, Best Documentary, and Best Foreign Film, because it's the first film to ever be able to be nominated in all three categories. Cool. And it was. Um, so it's about an Afghan refugee and his story of escaping Afghanistan. Right. Um, but he's, uh, there's some things you learn during the course of the film that could still get him in some hot water. So he had mm. to protect his identity. So they've animated his story instead with him narrating it. Um, and it's a really powerful film. Um, cool. And I was really lucky in Adelaide, the premiere of it. I went to the premiere of it and they had um, some refugees speak and talk about their own stories beforehand. So, yeah, it was a really powerful experience and definitely worthy of all the praise it's getting. So um highly recommend Flea. Um, a- another animated film I watched that there's been zero conversation about and I would love for it to be getting more attention is a Chinese CGI animated film called I am what I am. Okay. Um, and this, uh, I would put as a kind of a mixture of a karate kid mixed with, uh, like a Zhang Zimu drama, like about kind of the lower socioeconomic areas of China Sure. Um, so it's like it's g- gritty and realistic and set in the real world, but it's it is an animated film, um, hmm. and it's uh, yeah, but it's also a sports film about some like poor kids from a from a remote Chinese village that um, want to enter like a dragon dancing competition. Cool. Oh, uh, I've got I've got friends who would love this. I reckon. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, the animation style is like that uber realistic kind of like Pixar level like backgrounds and and even the characters have like a really interesting uh, kind of almost realistic look to them sure. um, but not Uncanny Valley but really well done. So it's, it's 3D really, animated though. It's 3D animated. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Pixar level quality animation. It, it's huh. beautiful to look at um, but it's a real crowd pleaser Um I, it, it's crazy to me that this hasn't gotten more attention. I know it, it premiered at the Annecy Fe- Festival in America, but outside of that, I haven't really heard anything. And it got like a super small release. Um, mm. It was like one session a day um, at my local cinema, but I saw the poster and was interested. And then I looked at the trailer. And I'm like, this looks awesome. And I was really impressed with it. So um, cool. I, I am what I am. I am what I am. Just uh, yeah, cool. one to look out for. One of my fa- all-time favorite directors, um, Mamoru Hosoda, uh, released his new movie. He's the director of films like Summer Wars, Wolf Children, The Girl Who Left Through Through Time, um, which are all amazing movies. This one, I wasn't so hot on. It, visually, it's beautiful, but it's a narrative mess. What's it called? Bell. Bell. So um, I know in in Melbourne it got an IMAX release mm. um, and it's gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of people thought it was going to get an Oscar nomination. I'm kind of glad this isn't 
isn't the film that got him his nomination because it's sure. not as strong as the rest of his films. But on a visual level, if you do have a chance to see it on a big screen, it's probably the only way to see it because mm-hmm. um, it's stunning to look at. It's it's kind of like a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but in a Ready to Player One type virtual reality world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real world stuff is really good. The virtual reality world stuff is just a mess. So, Oh, okay. And yeah. Narratively or like visually? Narratively. Okay, because the trailer looks spectacular. Yes. You got me to watch the trailer at one stage and it it looks, yeah, beautiful. And I was tempted to go and see it at cinemas, but then, you know, COVID hit hard. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But um, if you have a chance to see his older movies, I definitely would, uh, especially Summer Wars and Wolf Children are are like masterpieces. Um, Uh, Just really quickly, while we're on the discussion of animated films and Oscar nominations, I was really happy to see... The Mitchells versus the Machines got a nomination yes. for Best Animated Film, and I really fucking hope it wins. I've not seen all of those ones, but um, of the I, ones that like, but like Raya was on there and really doesn't compare. I haven't seen Encanto yet, but I really feel The Mitchells versus the Machines was so good. Yeah, I'd, I reckon I'd be rooting for that or Flea. As, as oh, my... Flea is there too, is it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, but I loved Encanto. I know Damask hated it, but nice. she's wrong. Um, <laughs> Um, and finally, I mentioned it just uh, quickly before, Red Rocket. Um, yes. An indie film starring Simon Rex, who you might remember from like the scary movie movies. He was like the guy playing like the Eminem parody in um, in that. Right. Uh, yeah, he is amazing in this film. He should have been nominated for the Oscar. It's, um, but the movie is fantastic. It's about a a porn star that returns to his um, hometown and then um, finds this girl working in a donut shop um, and it tries to groom her into becoming a porn star herself. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's it's a gritty film, uh, but it it is a comedy at the same time. Um, <laughs> I'll trust it, you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it is a fantastic movie, though. So cool. um, it's from the guy that did The Florida Project and Tangerine. Oh, so right. If wow, that gives okay. you, And it's definitely fits in with those two films. Cool. Um, so, and lastly, I just want to do a little bit of a warning for against a video game I just played. Called, a warning against it? Yes. Uh, so uh, there's a, a series of video games called the Dark Picture Anthologies. So mm-hmm. these are like storytelling games where you make choices for the characters. Uh, these guys did uh, the Until Dawn games. Which was a lot of fun, yes. Which I loved. And then they... I've uh, done a couple of these. This is the second one. They've done um, four now, I think, haven't they? Uh, yeah, three or four. I think the fourth um, one came out this October. Yep. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 I've just started the third one. So I'm not soured on this entire franchise, but I just sure. want to warn people against the second one. The second one's called Little Hope. It stars Will Poulter. Um, he must love these narrative video games because he also starred in Bandersnatch on Netflix. Um but uh, it's about a group of people on a bus. The bus crashes in this small town. And as they're wandering through this abandoned town, um, these ghosts of pilgrims come and grab them. And every time they get grabbed by a pilgrim ghost, they flash back to pilgrim times to like the witch trials. And then they realize that they can actually affect the past while they're in the flashbacks. Mm, that sounds kind of cool. Really cool premise. Lo- all the building blocks for something cool. 
has one of the worst fucking twists I've ever seen in anything. Ruins I have the actually entire been game. warned of this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I don't want anyone to play this, so I'm going to ruin it. So spoiler warnings for Little Hope. Can I guess? Or can yeah. I maybe possibly remember? Yeah. It's like... It's like like a chemical like, or it's like there's a drug explanation or something like that. Like there's a psychedelic element or something like that. No, that would oh okay, been, that would have been better. That would be better. <laughs> <laughs> so you find out. So the bus crashes and it's all the uh, the the bus driver is missing, and the other people from the bus are wandering around the town trying to find the bus driver. Then at the end, you find out that the only person in the bus was the bus driver and all the other characters were figments of his imagination no. and none of the ghosts were real and nothing that happened in the entire game was real. So you were basically playing a crazy old man wandering around a town talking to himself. It was all a dream of sorts. Yeah, and Ugh. this is like one of those games with multiple endings. Every ending has the same explanation. So it's not even that I got the shit ending. That sucks. Well, I've heard that the latest one is is a probably better, maybe the best of the ones they've released so so far for the Dark Picture anthology. Yeah. They also trademarked five more games recently. Oh wow! So they must be doing in, well. They apparently are doing well enough. I think they've what they've done with this because this is such a it taps into like. Uh, that horror movie thing. Every mm-hmm. one of these is like a smallish game. You could probably play it in a night. You can play it with friends. Yeah. Um, they're a different setting that, you know, plays on horror tropes that you've seen. And they release one a year around October. Like, there is a formula to this that makes sense why it's succeeding. Um, and I've only played Until Dawn. I don't even think I finished it in the end. I need to finish it properly. Um, uh, but I, and I haven't played these, but I see the appeal. Mm-hmm. I see the appeal, but they've got to be good enough that you want to come back and play the next one, <laughs> which maybe is their problem. Uh, one thing I will say about them is I'm, it's the first game I'm really feeling the limitations of the PlayStation 4 because I don't have sure. a PS5 yet. Like the graphics are starting to look like super janky on this game. Yeah. And also like for some reason when I'm playing it, my PlayStation like, the fan is like super loud. That was basically anything that came out in the last couple of years. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I tried playing um, Psychonauts. Uh, actually, it was on the PlayStation. It was on the Xbox One mm-hmm. S. Psychonauts 2 on that. And it was like playing through Molasses. I ended up buying... Because I could have played that basically for free. Well, not for free, but on Game Pass. Yeah. I chose to buy it for $80 or whatever it is on my PS5 to play it so that it wouldn't sound like my machine was going to take off and that actually <laughs> ran well and I was, it yeah. was a good decision that was a great game um, that's it is it Paul everything you've been that's, watching that's and it. playing I'll I'm shut gonna, up now <laughs> no, I'm going to very very quickly go through what I've been doing yeah. the basic rundown is I've watched fuck all TV deliberately because it's nice to have a break for the sake of the podcast mm-hmm. but also because it's been a lot of sport on and I'm not going to dwell on this but the ashes were on a test, a test match of Ashes can go for five days, though often three recently. Um, and I watched a fuck ton of cricket and Australia won that series 4-0 and that was great. Um, and then the not long after that ended, uh, the Australian Open was on and I love the Australian Open every year. I wasn't going to go when I heard Novak Djokovic was going to be led to the country. This is international news. I'm assuming people heard about this all across the world. Yeah. Um, but he got kicked out, so that was great. And then went on to have an incredible... 
finish. I went to go see Ash Barty win the women's um, final. That was amazing. And then Nadal had a five-set victory over Medvedev. Uh, I'm talking gobbledygook for people who don't give a shit about sport right now. But that went till 1.30 in the morning I was up watching that match. It was fantastic. Um, and f- if this is a RuPaul thing, like, uh, yeah. I'm, I <laughs> love just... It was nice just to be able to like really concentrate on watching some sport. I was going to play some video games. Finally got around to playing Final Fantasy VII Remake Intermission, which was the DLC that focused around the character of Yuffie. Uh, that was really good. Looking forward mm-hmm. to remake part two whenever that comes out. Did you? Are you a fan of that series at all, Final Fantasy? Or yeah, like I keep starting them and never finishing them. I I, I am part way through the Final Fantasy VII remake. But how like can you, do you remember where you're up to? I'm just interested to know how deep you are because it's a longish game. Yeah, uh, probably not that far. Okay. <laughs> like, Fair uh, enough. Um, I played it for a long time for my standards, but I'm still probably not that far. <laughs> Sure. That's a game that'll make your PS4 sound like it's a jet engine taking off. That really, really hurts that system. I also played and finished Metroid Dread, which is the latest 2D entry in the Metroid series. Um, I'm a massive fan of Super Metroid, one of my all-time favorite games on the Super Nintendo. I've enjoyed the sequels, but a... Like, this is the first new 2D Metroid game in something like 19 years or something. And it was excellent like one of my games of the year easily a game that i'll definitely replay um the formula of sort of the environmental puzzles the combats improved the upgrades and just feeling stronger and stronger and stronger some incredible boss battles along the way as well including the last boss which Mm -hmm. had a reputation for being like really hard as nails and it was but it was also it's one of those things where in a game where it's it's hard, but it's fair. And you know that if you just keep you know, punching away at this, you keep learning, you keep getting better, you will get it eventually. Yeah. I sat there for two hours straight until about one in the morning <laughs> again and did it. I was think- I was about ready to give up and I just had a breakthrough and very, very fun game. Do you have a Switch? I don't. Oh, okay. We well, can't play that game. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and I've also been playing a nearly finished a game called Death's Door. This is an indie sort of top-down uh, an action adventure game. It's sort of in the style of like it's reminiscent of like a Super Nintendo 2D um, Zelda game. If you think of like Link to the Past or A Link Between Worlds or one of those Zelda games. Um, really cool. It's like you play a crow who is the the basically the race of crows have been like in f- their their job is to go and collect the souls of the de- of those these beings that are dying basically except on a mission an assignment to get one of these souls something happens and someone else takes the soul and it's your job to try and figure out what happened collect that soul if you can and a bigger mystery unravels it's really beautifully designed um environmental dungeons and stuff great boss battles really um very simple but very compelling combat. And it's very hard as well. It's got that Dark Souls thing where you don't like collect life by killing enemies. You have to make your way to these little pots that grow seeds. And if you can't get there uh, before you run out of health, you'll go back to sort of a, a reset point basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it means that every encounter you have, you have to be thinking because if you're not on your toes and you get hit by a 
even just a, a average enemy, you'll lose like a quarter of your life sort of thing. So it's yeah. it's pretty tricky and pretty challenging, but um, really, really fun. And probably about 10 hours long, I'd say, all up um, to complete, assuming I'm getting close to the end. And if you're into that sort of game at all, uh, Death Store is an easy recommend, especially if you can get it on sale, which seems to be on quite a bit now. It's on everything, I think, PlayStation and whatnot. Does that interest you at all? Does that sound like it's up your alley? No, like the, those <laughs> kind of games that are like super difficult and like you die instantly and shit. That's like, I hate that kind of shit. Like I'm, I'm terrible. Like I'm really bad at those kind of games. Like I'm like sure a- they're wonderful, but like for me with my skill level, they just don't work. I've never been able to tap in yet into like the Dark Souls thing, which is all about yeah. that like fair but super hard combat that's really rewarding when you do it. Um, th- I don't think this is quite that hard. Mm-hmm. It just, it just doesn't, it requires a little bit of like pay attention to what's going on. Don't just like, you can't just hack and slash your way through it basically. Yeah. Um, very quickly, some actual television that I have been watching. Steph and I have started watching season two of Cheer. Cheer season one was a Netflix series that came out a couple of years ago. I feel like it hit like right around the time the pandemic was starting. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it follows a group, uh, like a, a high art college that has this incredible sports competitive cheerleading program. And their uh, story to basically put together this routine that goes to this huge national conference or whatever and win the whole thing in Daytona, basically. And it was a really, really fascinating documentary for something I thought I'd have no interest in. Cheerleading, why the fuck would I care? But watching the way, the skill that's involved the dedication that's involved, um, the grueling impact it has on these kids' bodies, which at times was hard to watch, especially as a chiropractor, like watching people fall from three meters up in the air and fuck up their bodies and stuff was not something I enjoyed watching at all. Um, but it was a surprisingly great documentary series. And now season two's out. I'm kind of, I, My first feeling was like, do we need a season two? Um, and I'm only a few episodes in. And right now... It hasn't got to a point where I'm like, I'm really glad they're re-exploring this. But from all accounts, including people I really trust, like David Chen, who's really, really into his documentary mm. movies and TV shows, he, he seems to think that this season's even better than the first. And you can see there's a lot to come. Mm. A, COVID hasn't hit yet, which is always going to affect things, which will be interesting. Yeah. But B, between the release of season one and season two, one of the main characters, if you want to call them a character, but one of the people involved in season one, who was a fan favourite, Jerry, whatever his name was, was embroiled in a, essentially a pedophilia scandal. Mm. And it gets mentioned at the very start of the first episode. They're like, yeah, we're going to talk about this. And right now, it's all happening unbeknownst to everybody that's even, this is going on, if it is going on behind the scenes. And you're just waiting for that moment to happen and it's going to fucking devastate everybody and it's going to be obviously really compelling i think um have you watched cheer season two yet i've started watching it the problem with cheer cheer is that the episodes are super long they are they're Um, too long yeah yeah so like finding the time to fit them in when the show isn't like it is a pretty it's not a breezy watch like it might be about cheerleading but it's actually quite hard to watch at times so just like finding the mood and the time it's not the top of my list especially where there's so many like really fun easy shows to watch coming out at the moment yeah i'm literally doing this thing now where 
sometimes you can tell when the show is getting ready, like it's building up to somebody having a massive injury <laughs> or there being a big accident. It actually hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to because how can it not? Yeah. The crazy shit these people are doing. And basically when they start doing like pyramids and shit, I look down and start doing something else. I'm like, I'm <laughs> listening to it, but I don't want to watch it because I don't fucking want to see it. Yeah. Um, and so it's not an easy watch whatsoever, but I, I'm definitely going to watch the whole thing. And yeah, yeah I, I definitely plan to finishing it because because I I really love love season one. Um, yeah. And I was when I heard the news about Jerry, I was shocked and devastated because yeah. I was a fan of him. Like absolutely, it's it awful. Yeah. It is. It is interesting watching it where part of the show of the this series is like the effect of the documentary on these kids' lives where they became celebrities. And everyone keeps coming up to Jerry and going, can you Matt talk me? Can you give me some Matt talk or whatever, which is what he was famous for doing is like cheering from the sidelines to pump everybody up or whatever. Um, and how he became so beloved so quickly. Hmm. Um, so, it's really, really, really going to hurt when that goes the way. I'm just fascinated to see how they, how they explore what is obviously an awful, awful thing hmm. um, to have happened. But to a person that, you know, a lot of the audience is going to have some affection for left over. And the people in the show are, are hugely affectionate towards and love. Mm. Um, it's going to be fascinating to get there. Um, it is also interesting they've introduced another, like a rival team into it as well. Yeah. Um, who are, At this stage, three episodes in, honestly, I just don't care as much about them as I do <laughs> the original ones. Which surprises me because I thought I would. Maybe I'll, maybe they'll come around as the show goes on, but um, I'm not finding yeah. them all that interesting so far. Uh, we were going to talk about Search Party a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering whether now is not a great time. We're uh, an hour and 52 minutes <laughs> in this episode. And maybe this is something we should save for a future episode. Maybe I'll get around because what's... The shorthand is Damask and I watched season one. We quite enjoyed it, but Dam- well, we reviewed it well, but Damask wasn't a fan of that sort of show. It was too stressful for her to watch, so we never reviewed future seasons. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I've made my way through season two and season three, and you've been up to date and yeah. basically via text message told me how season five, which is the final season, has been an absolute catastrophe. <laughs> Yes, it's one of the worst fall from graces I've ever seen in my time watching television in um, my entire life. And I'm at the point, even after season three, where I basically fell off and was like, I don't think this show's for me anymore. Uh, I've only kind of semi-watched season four. And I don't think I'm ever going to get around to season five. I might watch in the background while Steph's watching it. She's a bit more persistent than I am. Mm. But I still think there's plenty to talk about because I'm happy to talk spoilers and stuff like that with you. But yeah. maybe that's discussion for another night now. Yeah. Oh, as long as I've got it on record that season five search party is a fucking disaster. And I was it just I want to hear angered Paul. my what? blood. Why? To the spoilers core. for search party. Spoilers for search party. We'll do a ten minute version of this. Okay. Why? What has happened? So, I guess the thing is, like, when you're making the final season of your show and you know you're not obligated to keep going, so you don't have to appease anyone, like, you don't have to get your, like, the bosses to sign off on you doing more of these things. Sure. You kind of have that freedom, I can do whatever I want. (laughs) 
And then you kind of have to think like, who am I serving in this point? Am I serving myself or am I serving the people that have come to love the show and want to see it ending? And I just feel <laughs> to my bones that the people making this show had contempt for their audience. Contempt make, for the audience? Because I get what they mean. Uh, I get what they're going for with this show, that they kind of want to change things up every season. Yeah, it's like it almost changes genre every season almost. Yes, but it always felt consistent to me. As crazy as it went, like even mm. season four, which was a big departure with Dory being kidnapped for the entire season and being like locked in a basement, it still made sense within the universe of the show, I felt. Sure. Season five, so you, you don't care knowing what happens? Uh, no, I don't care about the show anymore, so I don't okay. care what, if you tell me what happens. If anything, it might it might even be enough to make me watch it if it makes me go, oh, wow, okay. All right, so in season five, Dory is uh, committed to a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And during that time, uh, because in, in the end of season four, she dies for, for a couple of minutes and then gets brought back to life. Mm-hmm. And then... I have seen that. I've seen the end of season four, yeah. Yeah, so then in season five, she has in this mental hospital, but she feels like her time where she died brought her like a new sense of enlightenment and she knows the meaning of life and she wants to give it to everyone else. And then she eventually escapes from the mental hospital and creates a cult and all the other friends immediately join the cult pretty much and buy into all her bullshit. Uh-huh. And it becomes huge, and then she gets the attention of a tech millionaire, billionaire, played by Jeff Goldblum, and goes meet, meets up with him, and he decides that he wants to fund Dory to be able to get her like new way of thinking to the masses. Mm-hmm. And they decide that the way they're going to do that is to create a enlightenment in a pill that anyone can take, and then they become enlightened. So then they decide they're going to create this and they enlist a whole bunch of influencers and bring them to this like compound where they all work together to work out how to become enlightened because they decide like if they can make these influencers enlightened, they can make anyone enlightened. Mm. They start creating these pills and then through a bunch of mishaps, it turns out that the pills create zombies so are you serious so like at first like it starts off subtly like they create a zombie rat and then the rat bites someone and i was like what is this show becoming and then by the end it turns into like a full zombie apocalypse show like walking dead search party edition okay okay now that is interesting and actually, I'm now going to at least semi-watch it while Steph makes her way through <laughs> season five because that is fascinating. And that wasn't where I thought this was going for some reason. That, that, that's okay. And in a weird way, though, do you think that is consistent with the way that this show does continue to like change its genre? It's just kept it within a certain confined... like, But it also feels like it's been building to come more and more and more cartoonish. 
the yeah. point where I don't like the show anymore because the show I got in season one, I actually found, while I hated those people, it was still focused enough that it was fascinating to be in that world. And as it's become sort of more ridiculous... I've just like, well, I don't care about anymore anybody anymore because nothing seems to have real stakes anymore. Yes. And so so it relied on being like a satire maybe or a send-up sometimes in a weird way, but not necessarily effectively of like these different tropes of TV and the way people watch TV and the sort of people on TV shows. Mm. And that was the problem. It's like, I think sometimes like in a weird way, the idea actually is like, wow, if they're going to go for it, they're going to go all the fucking way. That's kind of cool. But also I just don't trust the show that can make it. Yeah. The, the, the problem is, it's like, it's, it, yeah, it becomes a zombie apocalypse show, but it, it, there's no, like, it's not funny and it's not, it's, when it's, it's not, not good interesting. at it. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what are you even trying to say at this point? Like, I get the point is like, Millennials are so awful that they'll eventually bring up upon the apocalypse. I guess that's the thesis of the show, but it doesn't do it in a particularly interesting or funny way. And like, I think about how much I laughed and how much I enjoyed the earlier seasons. It just yeah. felt like a betrayal. Like I, I, I hated that final season. It made me angry. Like mm. that's a that is a massive, massive shame. Yeah. That is a massive shame. And I wonder also in this scenario, like, was this something that was always intended to be the case? When when this show was pitched, when it was developed in the early days, did they know every season was going to get more off the wall and become this sort of thing? Or did it sort of happen and they were just like, well, we don't really feel like we can actually continue this story the way we would. like, and that's a problem that shows have sometimes, right? They have a great mm. first season, but there's not actually enough there there to make a compelling show that remains the same or yeah. keeps that through line going. And they just sort of identified that and like, what if we just went completely the other direction five times in a row? Yeah. But in doing so, kind of spoiled the entire thing in doing it. That's a real shame. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. I was off the moment way before you were. There was an episode I texted you about this, and I was like, I just cannot keep with the show anymore. It was basically the scenario of just like a series. You were talking about the series of mishaps that lead to like this pill that creates zombies, right? Yeah. Where there was just a series where this person was. There was a book that was found that one of the main characters had written that this Oprah Winfrey type person found on the street, read, was convinced it was like this work of genius by a 10-year-old girl through a series of misunderstandings and no one actually fucking checking that she was who they... Not even what who she necessarily said she was. They just assumed she was. Hmm. Ended up going on this show and and that being a conflict for the, the Oprah-type character, but then the applause button gets stuck because the guy who controls the applause button for the audience is eating a fucking sandwich that's got, like, sticky shit. And I was like, what is this, sh- what, what is this <laughs> show that's gone yeah. from being, like, an examination of awful people who are, pre- like through the guise of doing something to help others are just trying to make themselves feel special. Yeah. And ultimately that leads to killing somebody at the end of season one, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting place to be, to 
oopsie daisy sticky fingers push the button and we can't stop the applause button from happening anymore it's just like that is a fucking at that point i was like this this is not the same show that i signed up for anymore basically well i didn't even mention the fact that the last season that has a side plot about um the gay couple uh adopting a genetically engineered child that starts killing people. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, because I know in advance, I'm actually looking forward to watching season five now. <laughs> oh, I, think, no. I think it would hurt if I was watching it. <laughs> watching it unfold, I can... I absolutely would hate this show, and I think I will still hate it. Yeah. But now I'm going. Now this is going to be a hate watch. I'm yeah. actually looking forward to watching <laughs> season five. Okay, let's let's end it there, Paul. I really appreciate. I'm really glad we didn't didn't go. Actually, am I glad we didn't go on to review this show? I kind of wish we had. This would have been fascinating if we could have got Damas to watch the whole way through because. I wonder if she would have liked this or not. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to this uh, off-topic, hot-topic episode to no start worries. the year to catch up on the news. Thanks for sharing all the great things you've been watching. We'll have you on again soon for something, I'm sure. Maybe How I Met Your Father. There was another one in there. Oh, just upload. like that. No. And just oh, like and that. just like that. That's on the list too. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week is the plan. Damask and I will be reviewing Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett, I should say, season one. Uh, and we're yet to figure out what we'll do after that, but we'll let you know as soon as we can. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. It's good to be back. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.